Welcome to Transparency with Diana B, a podcast from wealthmanagement.com focused on advisors' personal well-being and healing. In this podcast, we explore some of the deepest struggles and hardships that many advisors face and bring these issues out into the open so that others may find healing. Join us for this journey where we explore ways to overcome the stresses and anxieties as Diana draws from years of expertise and guest experts to manage the personal challenges of advisors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the latest episode of Transparency with Diana B, a podcast by WealthManagement.com. My name is Diana Britton, and I'm the managing editor of WealthManagement.com. For those of you who are new to the podcast, each episode focuses on a personal development issue facing financial advisors and financial services professionals. Guests join me to talk about their journey dealing with the struggle and how they ultimately found healing. Um, my guest today is Julia Carlson. She's the founder and CEO of Financial Freedom Wealth Management Group in Newport, Oregon. Julia, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here, Diana. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so Julia got married at age 19 and uh, right out of high school took a job at a local bank. Um, she quickly learned that you know, the glass ceiling in the financial services industry comes quickly. Uh, so she left the bank after just four years and launched Freedom, sorry, Financial Freedom Wealth Management Group, um, you know, taking on the entrepreneurial challenge at a time in her life when most financial services professionals are just finishing up their college educations. And now she's one of LPL's top advisors. But, you know, the journey to where she is today was not easy. Uh, she overcame, you know, problems in her marriage, and in 2012, her then nine-year-old daughter was in a bad car accident and ended up in the ICU. You know, as a mother, scary. She's fine now, but Julia, you know, let's start off and sort of go back, you know, to the early days in your career, and you know, how did you sort of get started in the business, and what were some of the struggles that you know you had to overcome at the very beginning? Sure. Yeah, I, I, it's hard for me to actually think back to those days now, but um, it's it's fun. It's fun to reflect. And I got started in the banking world primarily because I found myself at a, on a small coastal town in Oregon with two thousand people, and was married at nineteen, like you said, and thought, okay, what am I going to do? And I've I was interested always in finance. My parents had a very healthy relationship with money. My grandpa talked to me about stocks and investments and piqued my interest. And uh, my dad actually helped me start investing when I got my first job at, at McDonald's when I was a teenager. So I thought, all right, I'll go into banking, finance. And they, the local bank had a investment department. And I thought, wow, I want to learn more about this. And so uh, I started working in the investment department as an assistant. I got fully licensed uh, at age 20. And continued to work there for a couple more years before I thought, okay, I'm ready to become a financial advisor. I'm fully licensed. I'm ready to do it. I talked again to the um, president of the investment department, and they said, great, as soon as the financial advisor retires that's in that position, you can have it. <laughs> well, if I would have stayed there, it would have been 15 years later. Mm -hmm. So what I decided to do was to... Uh, 
leave the bank and start what is now Financial Freedom Wealth Management Group. That's great. Do you want me to? Yeah, I can. I'm happy to talk more about the struggles there. Yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, just wanted to switch gears a little bit. I know, you know, sort of during that time, you sort of went through a rough patch with your husband. And, you know, I know that that kind of impacted you and and your, you know, your fierce independence and, and you know, it, it impacted how you went about founding the business. So talk a little bit about that. Talk a little bit about the struggles that you guys went through and sort of what taught you during that time. Sure. I, you know, I think when you get married at 19, you're just figuring out who you are and growing up. And, and so we, we did have a rough patch in our marriage. And, you know, I was, I was forced to make a decision what now looking back based on being financially dependent on him. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it created in the moment it was, it felt really yucky and, uh, like stuck and okay, this is the only decision I, I can make at this point because I'm, I'm dependent on someone else and I don't have the resources. I, nor did I feel like I could have the resources, but I did have, I, you know, I feel like I channeled that energy into, I'm going to create independence for myself. And that was, I think the, inspiration be for going out on my own that I I did have his support in that most Mm -hmm. likely because I had made decisions to stay in our relationship and stay married. And so, but I had channeled all of that energy into making this business work. And I was crazy about becoming Mm -hmm. financially independent and here's the thing that was kind of cool looking back. It wasn't just for me. Like I wanted that for others. And Mm -hmm. that passion inside me allowed me to go through the nose, you know, hearing the nose. It allowed me to overcome a lot of hardships that came my way in those early days building my business. Yeah. So I know you and your husband are still together. How many years have you been married now? Yes, we are actually celebrating 25 years this November. So it's, we have an amazing That's, relationship today. That's great. I, um, I, we could all learn a few things from you, I'm sure, on um, keeping a long marriage going. So talk a little bit about some of the, the glass ceiling that you had to break through early on. Um, I mean, I know we talked a little about early on, but, you know, when you were starting the firm and, you know, going out and trying to get clients and I'm sure you got some funny comments from from folks. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Yeah. Well, I am a, you know, 5'11", very tall, uh, blonde. And so I, when I would go out to, and I would actually go like pound the pavement, I call it. I would go into businesses, introduce myself. I would go to uh, CPAs, offices, attorneys, really just try to build those circle of influences and and work. And one uh, attorney, it was a, a CPA partner that that just had embraced uh, me and just really mentored me and helped me get going. He was introducing me me to an attorney. And I remember the attorney looking at me and just totally seriously said, wow, don't you look like a cheerleader? And I just looked mm. at him like, oh, come on, you know, let's, let's be serious here. I actually pretty much just ended the meeting because I was, 
embarrassed and and I'm like, how is this person ever going to take me seriously based on a judgment that he had in the first five seconds of meeting me? Mm. Uh, but again, that ultimately just fueled my passion and independence to say, you know, pretty much screw you. I'm going to go make this work. Watch me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, just some some stats about the industry. You know, women still just represent 18% of total advisor headcount, according to a, a recent study by Cerulli Associates. Um, and some of the factors that discourage women and people of color from entering the industry are a high failure rate, unstable compensation, pressure to meet revenue or production goals, and just a lack of familiarity with the profession. And so an, another study uh, from Carson Group and Hidden Insights Group found that nearly 60% of women advisors mentioned firm culture and leadership as their, their top hurdle when joining the industry. Uh, you know, I know that's sort of not something that you've had to deal with, Julia, because you, you, you're building the firm culture yourself. Mm-hmm. But, you know, another other things, balancing the needs of career and family, you know, women say that, that that's led to the perception that female advisors are, are less committed or engaged than their male counterparts. And female advisors specifically called out the need for enhanced training programs that focus on relationship building, financial planning, and operational excellence, as well as more intentional mentorship programs and more female leaders available to mentor but I know that, you know, you sort of went through a shift in your career, you know, turning point when, um, you know, in 2012, your, your daughter, uh, you know, ended up in the hospital um, in the ICU and she was in the car with your parents and they were hit head on by a drunk driver. Tell us about uh, what happened. Yeah, it was, you know, obviously a very life-changing traumatic event. When it was happening, I was uh, hosting a client event, uh, and I didn't know for a couple hours when I got out of the event, looked at my phone and saw all these missed calls and text messages. At that moment, she was actually being life-flighted to Portland. And so I, I got there as soon as I could. I, we stayed in the ICU for a week, and although I was by her side, I I was still had this this need to still run my business, meaning I was telling my assistant they needed to bring me my computer. I was doing trades. I was answering emails, answering or returning phone calls, all things that I should not be doing when my daughter is in ICU. Yeah, (laughs) and I Mm -hmm. I. I was in the moment at the time doing surviving uh, and doing what the best that I could. But ultimately, that event just really shifted the way that I was, you know, doing business and looking at my business and, and I was stuck inside of it. And I had made myself so relevant to every aspect that, that I was hitting that ceiling where I was going to implode. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, a workaholic kind of. Is that what? How you? <laughs> yeah, my hands up here. Workaholic for sure. <laughs> but yeah. I think in the beginning, when you're building a business, it is based on that hustle and passion and your own work. Like if someone's working forty hours and I'm working eighty hours, I'm gonna I'm gonna come out ahead. And maybe in the beginning, when you when it is all about you, 
yes, I, you know, there is that sense of startup phase getting through it. But that transition that I went through, I, you know, came home from the hospital. I wanted to be home with her that summer uh, and just help her recover. And I, I had to start thinking about how do I, how do I do things differently? How do I gently, uh, s- s- you know, still have this dream of building this business, but also, you know, showing up the way that I should be as a mom. Mm. How, how did you change? What, what did you change about how you ran the business after that? Yes, you know, when you, it's funny, I, I like that quote where it says, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, I had some mentors in my life that, that I, I talked to and reached out just for help. Like, this is how I'm feeling. I, I need help. And, um, one of those was my, uh, he, he was married to my sister-in-law. And mm-hmm. he had very, he was very successful in management and uh, corporate, corporate, like bigger business, where I have this very grassroots, organic, uh, entrepreneurial mindset. He's kind of opposite. And he, he was at a, a place in his life where all of the kids were off to college and they moved actually from Chicago to Oregon. And I hired him as to help me manage um, employees, help me grow the business. And that was scary. It's it's here, I'm hiring someone that has all of these uh, skills and um, accolades and, and degrees that I don't have. And so mm. it would be very ev- easily or very easy for me to shrink back and say, I can't hire someone that's better than me, that's smarter than me. Or, you know, I think that's initially our ego goes through that. But that was the very thing I had to do to scale. Like I had to bring in someone that had strengths in my weak areas. So mm-hmm. a lot of that was that self-reflection of who am, who am I? Who, what do I want to do? I have this big dream, but I also need to be a mom to my three kiddos. And it was that soul searching of this is, this is what I'm good at. And I need to let go of all of these other areas. Essentially, I need to fire myself to yeah. scale my business. And that's the shift we made. And it moved us into who we are today. Um, and moving into that team approach. And so there's just magic of creating. A, a brand for the business, not around me. I mean, yes, I am the CEO and I get that recognition, but it's really ultimately that shift to an inclusive culture and teamwork that's allowed us to soar. Yeah. And it's not all on you right now. It's, it's, uh, you know, if you need to go to a soccer practice or, or whatever it is, you, uh, you're, you have people that are able to handle things back, back in the office, right? Yes, I got my I got my life back. I got my freedom. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I know that I wanted to back up a little bit, you know, because this was something that we were talking about, you know, in our in our conversations. And I think it's worth, you know, having a, a discussion about and that's when when people start out in this industry, um, you're not profitable at the beginning. Um, and, uh, you know, there's all these benchmarking reports that come out every year that talk about, you know, advisors grew, you know, 16%, 20% or whatever. But I mean, you were telling me the reality is that most aren't profitable 
in the first couple of years. Um, what were those early like years like for you in terms of just financially and you know trying to get to a profitable um, position? Sure. You know, I think in the beginning when it was me, uh, a couple staff, you know, when my daughter was in her accident, we were profitable. And, uh, yeah. but I was trying to grow the business. I was trying to, you know, I, I had this dream of building a true business, not just a lifestyle business or a solo advisor. And mm-hmm. so I had to invest in myself, number one, because I had to evolve. I had to grow. And I have recognized now looking back, every time I did that, whether it was a coach or a program or, you know, anything that is investing in me in my personal development is the best investment I can take. And then I would say second to that is the team. And so, you know, hiring before I was ready, you know, making those hires early on was very scary. But I also Mm -hmm. knew I had to look at it as an investment, not a cost. And a lot of those, uh, you know, the benchmarking reports that come out in the industry, you know, they're talking about the average advisor, the average business, or it's, it's hard to, it was so hard for me to compare, you know, I had coaches or even broker dealers that said, okay, let's look down and look at, let's sit down and look at your benchmark report and see how you're doing. And I'm like, I don't even want to do that because I know I'm failing in a lot of areas. (laughs) (sighs) But ultimately, yeah, I, if oh, go ahead. Oh no, I mean that, and that's one of the reasons women, a lot of women, don't get into this industry because of the fear of that failure rate. Yeah, but as soon as I could, it, yeah, it's like that feeling of coming up short or doing something wrong. But I wasn't, you know, if I invested two hundred, three hundred thousand in marketing, I know that will get us fifty to sixty million in new assets. Like that's a good investment, and. Mm-hmm. That is a lot bigger investment than those benchmark reports on what people pay for for marketing or mm-hmm. employees. You know, I have we we currently have fifteen staff members and about four hundred and ten million in assets. So we may be really staffed up compared to other advisory firms our size, but where we're going in the future requires that staff count. It requires the amount of people that we have so that we can be prepared for the growth that keeps happening. And so, yeah, my advice to other advisors would just be, don't compare your beginning or your middle with someone else's or an average practice or those numbers. Everyone is unique. So they can be helpful. They can they can be a guide of what you're shooting for, where you're going. But in, in that moment of building the business and really like scaling the business, I would say, and hiring employees, d- don't, to not be worried about that because that return will come in the future. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Well, Julia, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're on a journey, right? You're not sort of like completely you know, healed and, and whole now, um, you know, are, you know, none of us are, but, you know, I know the pandemic, you know, the last year and a half has been rough for a lot of, a lot of us in different ways. Um, I mean, how has it impacted you? Um, I know that, you know, you've talked about how it's, you know, been a, been an opportunity for you to sort of look inward and, and really think about, uh, your life and, and, um, and, you know, your own self-worth. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the, the, you know, I, I look at it as uh, a gift, actually. So, I mean, when, when COVID shut down, all the conferences stopped, a lot of the, uh, you know, engaging with the advisor community, uh, even with our clients, everyone wanted to just stay home. And, and I did too, frankly. And so it was this gift of quietness and the busyness stopped. And I was spending time with my kids and I was cooking meals and, mm-hmm. you know, sh- sh- still taking care of business, but it was, it was just quiet. And in the, the beginning, it felt a little uncomfortable, meaning like, what am I going to do with myself or what I, but what I discovered is I allowed outside for a long time, I have allowed outside uh, situations or things that have happened, like I was looking for that recognition or mm. looking for the chance to be significant out there. And so you go to this conference, oh, Julia, like, tell me how you did this. Or so you get that validation, if you will. Yeah. Uh, and that was from external sources. And so pandemic happens and that all goes away. And mm. so in in that quietness, though, what I discovered is you know, I've had self-confidence all along. I've had self-confidence to deal with the no's, to, you know, stand up for myself, to to get through the challenges I've been through. But what I've, I, what I figured out I didn't have is that internal self-worth because mm-hmm. I was looking outside for my worthiness. Yeah, and absolutely. What I've, you know, in this process is, no, I'm worthy for being here. We're all worthy for just being who we are. And it's not an action or a result that, that allows me to be more worthy. So Mm. to, to be able to someone else to tell us, right? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Well, I, you know, I think Julia, it's just, it's, it seems like you've just you've been through so much. Um, you've had quite a journey, and I'm wondering, you know, what what makes you so, you know, have a positive attitude about these things, and and to you know keep knocking on doors, you know, early on. I mean, what do you think motiv- motivated you to just keep going and and to you know deal with the nose and you know the cheerleader comments? I mean, what uh, what kept you going through those times and how, what motivates you to sort of have this positive attitude? Well, I believe that our industry is so needed out there. Not, not, I mean, my passion is not working with the high net worth. My passion is working for the mass affluent, for someone that just to be able to learn about how to invest early on in life and, or, how to be successful in business, how to build their strong financial future and get to their financial goals, like goals. That's what fires me up. And I wanted that for myself. And I have been a student of that and, and am financially independent today because of that. And so, yeah, I could sell my business and be done, but it's not the money that drives me anymore. It's that purpose of inspiring others to be on that journey too. And it doesn't happen overnight. It it takes a lifetime sometimes to build the wealth, to be financially independent, but we all, we all should have that opportunity and education. And I believe that that's 
a solution to a lot of the problems um, that exist today in America. If we could take personal responsibility for our own financial future, then we, d we don't have to be dependent on others to make decisions. And so I just feel like it, it's so worthy what we do. And I, I want to have I want to have a team in place that's doing that for as many people as possible. I would I would say for the about the positive. I mean, I'm a natural optimist, but you know, I find that all the different situations that I've been in, in the moment, it's sometimes hard to kind of like see why am I going through this? Like, why did this happen to me? Yeah. But I've learned that it's hard to maybe connect the dots in the moment of what's happening. But on the other side, uh, you know, looking back, you can connect the dots so easily. And that's what like gives me really like hope for the future in that anything I go through, I know that I, there's a bigger purpose and there's a bigger, like it's just giving me the tools that I need to help the next person along my journey. Wow, that's that's great. I know a lot of um, a lot of people in this industry would just be, you know, inspired to hear, you know, what what you've talked about today, and it's just uh, would be really helpful. Um, well, I, I'm afraid we're just about out of time, but I'd like to thank my guest Julia Carlson for being on the podcast and sharing her story with us. Julia, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's, I've enjoyed it. <laughs> And, you know, Julia is just such a wonderful person. You know, if you'd like to reach out to her, if you have any questions for her, you can email her at julia.carlson at lpl.com. And we'll put this uh, in the show notes as well. If you yourself have a struggle and you wish to share your experiences and help others in similar situations, please feel free to reach out to me at transparencywithdianab at gmail.com. I'd like to thank you for listening to Transparency with Diana B. If you've not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. I just wanted to let Transparency listeners know that in January, we're going to be changing the name to The Healthy Advisor to give a clear idea of what the podcast is about. Transparency with Diana B. was not quite as transparent a title as we thought. This is Diana Britton reminding you that where there's healing, there is hope. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Transparency with Diana B podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of wealthmanagement.com. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional advice. Always seek the advice of your healthcare provider with any questions you have regarding your particular situation.